You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we will get there here in just a moment. Uh, let me make a very profound statement. I know this might set some of you back. It might, might, uh, you might be in awe at this statement. You ready? Here it is. Christmas is a big deal. Right? Are you, amen. It is, it is a big deal. Um, uh, now, I know that's not a shocking um, uh, seat, sit you back in your seat statement. We, we know that Christmas is a big deal with all that surrounds this season. Um, nothing wrong with this, but it is family. That's a great thing. It's, it's family. It's food. It's, it's friends. It's, it's great memories. It's, it's, uh, it's waking up on Christmas Day seeing what Santa brought you, right? Um, or it's waking up on Christmas Day watching your kids see what Santa brought them. Um, it's a fun, it is a fun season, right? It's a big, it's a big deal in our culture. But it's even a bigger deal for eternity. Christmas is. Christmas is a big deal for eternity. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Without Jesus, we have no Savior. Without Jesus, we have no access to God. Without Jesus, we we have no opportunity, no, uh, no ability to spend eternity with God in heaven. Without Jesus, uh, we are condemned to an eternity in hell. So Jesus is a big deal for our eternity. We can make a, a lot about Christmas. But I think sometimes we all feel this tension that that and there's there's kind of this this fear that because Christmas is such a big deal and we make much about it we can celebrate it and we can we can defend the name Christmas and kind of you know boycott those companies that don't use Christmas they use you know the the the, the horrible happy holidays um, and we can we, we 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 feel this tension we can we can fight for Christmas we can fight for for our family time and for the right food we can wear ourselves out getting exhausted trying to find the right gift for the right person. We can get exhausted by, you know, going to the right parties and trying to just get our schedules during this season to kind of line up. Um, it, it is a, it's a big deal. We can, we can, um, we can wear ourselves out avoiding like, you know, the, we all have them, right? The crazy uncle at the family Christmas party. Um, you, you have one, right? In your family. You know, it, it, if you don't know who it is, it, with love, it's you. <laughs> oh, but it's just uh, there's a lot of lot of tension, a lot of emotion during this season. Um, and my fear is that we can do all of that and try to keep everything in line and try to keep ourselves sane and not blow the budget. Um, all the while forgetting, losing sight of what this is all about. Um, just getting exhausted from the pressure of all of it that we want to chunk it all, right? We just want to say, I'm done with all of it. 
Sometimes that even means just celebrating what it's all about, and that is the birth of Savior. And I think it's more pervasive than what many of us uh, maybe even want to admit. Over the last couple of weeks and months, just through Scripture reading and through prayer, um, God's just been revealing to me that my heart has grown cold to this beautiful, this amazing, the inexpressible glory found in the truth of God's Word. And see if you can relate, especially as it relates to Christmas. Has the phrase, born of a virgin, just kind of lost its amazement on you? That just that thought that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, have we, have we, have we just kind of it has has the the awe of that kind of subsided for us? I hope that it hasn't. Has a fulfilled four thousand year prophecy um, kind of lost its amazement? Are we no longer in awe that God prophesied some four thousand years ago that that Jesus would be born and it happened exactly as Jesus said? Have we lost the awe of that and all the other things that come uh, with the Christmas story, the story of Jesus's? birth have we lost has it become so familiar to us maybe i don't know maybe it's just me maybe maybe you're not you're not there but i catch myself just kind of getting exhausted from the pressure of our culture that that just that exhaustion kind of overflows into the truth of scripture it's my prayer that what we can do that we can remember the promises of a coming Savior. That It's my prayer that we will celebrate the birth of our Lord. And in doing so, we'll reignite an awe and a reverence for God. So look with me in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I've entitled this message, The First Gospel Message. The first gospel message ever proclaimed is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In the context of this, you probably know the story very well, but you have, you have Adam and Eve. They have, uh, they have eaten the, the forbidden fruit. Uh, God has called them out on that. And, and, and listen to what he says. The first gospel message found right here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God is speaking to Satan when he says this, I will put hostility. Some translations use the word enmity. I will put hostility between you, Satan, and the woman, the woman being Eve, and between your offspring, Satan, and her offspring, speaking again of Eve. He, the offspring of this woman, will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Her offspring will strike your head and you will strike his heel. I want you to think about this for a moment. The first gospel message ever preached was preached by God to an unbeliever who never accepted the truth that there is one true God. You see that? 
The first gospel message. What is God doing? God is proclaiming that a Savior is coming. And He will strike you. He will destroy you. You will strike His heel, but He will strike your head. The first gospel message preached to an unbeliever who never came to the belief that there is one true God. One God and only one God. I want you to notice something else. This same message brought condemnation to Satan, but it brought hope to Adam and Eve. One message, not two messages, but one message brought condemnation to Satan. He will strike your head. He will destroy you. You will strike his heel. But it brought hope. But not only did it bring hope to Adam and Eve, Oh, it brings hope to every single one of us who call us, call ourselves a child of God. It's an, an eternal hope for all who place their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can be seen right here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. So what, what is this? What was the first gospel message? The first thing I want you to write down is this. It was a promise of protection. The first gospel message was a promise of protection. Look at what he says, verse 15. I will put hostility between you. Again, remember who he's speaking to specifically. Between you, Satan, and the woman, Eve. Notice this. Hostility was a sign of grace. A lot of times we think grace is a, just a picture in the New Testament. Oh, but grace is for all the way from the very beginning. I will put hostility between you, Satan, and the woman, Eve. Eve had become friends, and Adam had become friends with the tempter. And God's first sign of grace was to make us enemies with Satan. Why why would he have done that? Because being friends with Satan destroyed Adam and Eve's relationship with God. You see that? Becoming friends, cozying up to Adam, or cozying up to Satan, made Adam and Eve and everyone else who followed them at enmity, enemies with God. And so the first act of grace is this. God God causes hostility between the woman and Satan. Between the woman's offspring and Satan. Listen, had God not made us enemies with Satan... The story would have been over at Adam and Eve. Do you think Adam and Eve cozied up to Satan when he kind of came, came around? No. God put this hostility between them. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like a, a father who has daughter that's about to go out on her first date. And and when the boy comes to the door, he finds the dad carrying a a shotgun. He invites him into the into his house. And the whole time he's talking to this young man that's about to take his daughter out, he's just cleaning the shotgun. Never mentions it. He just has it laying there. Table and he's just cleaning it. The whole time he's having the conversation. What do you think that's doing? There's some hostility, right? I mean, that, that young boy is thinking twice about what he is going to do. 
while he is out on a date. Because he knows that dad is capable of doing the unthinkable, right? That's what we see here in this text. God says, I will put hostility between you and the woman. It's this promise of protection. It lays the foundation for the coming announcement of redemption. Scripture says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Write this down in the margin of your Bible. Look at what it says. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's the point. No one can be saved while, while remaining friends with the enemy. You cannot be saved if you're going to continue to be friends with the enemies of God. And the beautiful promise found here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is God is providing protection from our enemy. And oftentimes, it's, it's our own actions that we, that we cozy up to the enemy, even though God has put hostility between us. And it just kind of begs the question, are we thumbing our nose at God's protection? He has intentionally, purposefully created this hostility. And he did so for our protection. Point number two. Point number two is the promise of a Savior. Promise of protection. The promise of a Savior. Redemption's announcement came not only in the hostility, hostility that was created between Adam and Eve and, and, and Satan, but it also came in the announcement of a Savior. Look at it again. I will put hostility between you, remember God is speaking to Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head. Who is this he? The offspring of Eve. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He will strike your head is a final blow. And you will strike his heel. This is a temporary blow. This is a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Satan strikes his heel, but it's temporary because why? Three days later, Jesus comes out of the grave, right? But Satan, there's coming a day when Satan will be destroyed and he will be sent to the place, to his home. And that is eternity in hell. Who is it? that delivers that final blow? That's the question that we have to ask. He will strike your head, a final blow. Who is the he? They didn't know his name, but here's what they understood. One is coming, and he will be born of a woman. Who's going to destroy the one separated? Who's going to destroy the one who separated man from his creator? Because that's the question. Adam and Eve have been separated from God. They used to walk with him in the cool of the evening in the garden. Now they've been kicked out of the garden and they can no longer walk with God. Who is the one that is going to destroy this person who, who, who separated us from the God who created us? That's the question. Who is he? Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 is a, depending on who you read, is a four to 6,000-year save-the-date announcement. You ever get save-the-date announcement? Like we get them, right? I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with save-the-date uh, announcements because they're good if you want to use them, but they're bad if you get them because it kind of takes all your excuses away. 
Like, like, let me just go ahead and give you one. January 2021, you ready? It's, it's, it's uh, what is that, 13 months away. Kim and I are going to turn 50, and we're going to have the biggest 50-year uh, party of 70s music. It's going to be awesome. We're invited. So here's your Save the Date announcement. You have no excuse. You have 13 months to plan and clear your calendar for. This is a 4,000-year-old Save the Date announcement. One is coming. Be ready. A Savior is going to be born. This is the announcement of the gospel. He, this Jesus Christ, it's the promise of grace. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the way of salvation. So, so God is saying 4,000 to 6,000 years before it happens, listen, one is coming who is going to destroy the one that has separated you from God. That's great news for us. And that is something for us to celebrate. But because if it wasn't for Jesus coming, I would have no hope of spending eternity with God. I would have no hope of communicating with God through prayer. I would have no hope of being cleansed from my sin. But Jesus, or but God said, four thousand years before it happened, I am sending one who will destroy Satan, and his name is Jesus. That's what we see in the next part. The third point is this, a 4,000-year promise fulfilled. Galatians chapter 4. Write this down in the margin of your Bible. Follow along with me. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5 says this, when time came to completion. You know, God is always on time. And He has a purpose in our waiting. And I'm quite certain that Adam and Eve probably thought that the Messiah was going to be one of their children. I mean, why not? Why, why wait 4,000 years? We don't know. But God had a purpose. God had a plan. And it says here in Galatians chapter 4, when the time came to completion, God sent His Son. How, how did He send His Son? He has to stay true to His promise, right? Yes. God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's the fulfillment of this 4,000-year promise. Oh, we have so much to rejoice about in this time. Even through the pressures of this, the culture that throws on us, we have so much to be, to be thankful for, to praise God for. He made a promise, and He has fulfilled a promise. 4,000-year promise is fulfilled in this season that we celebrate. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 is one of my favorite scriptures. I've been talking about prayer where God invites us to come into His presence. I want you to, I want you to listen to this. I've, I've, um, I've, I've put it in my notes from the Message Bible. Uh, Message Bible is a good Bible to read and wouldn't really recommend for you to study out of it. It's so it's more of a paraphrase, thought for thought, from the original language. But it, I love the way it renders Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Listen to it. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. What a great word. I love the way that's worded. 
Now that we have this Jesus that we're celebrating, let's not, in the, in the stress of this season, let's not forget Him. Let's not let Him slip through our fingers. He goes on to say in verse 15, we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weaknesses and testing, experiencing it all, but without sin. He's experienced the hurt that we feel. When, when, when the, just the, the, the pressure of family dynamics. He, he knows those pains. He's been through the weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, but without sin. Verse 16, so here's our response. So, this is what I pray that we will do during this season. So, let's walk right up to Him and get what He is ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. Let's, let's walk right up to Him. We're not, we're not looking for a Messiah to come for the first time. We're looking for Him to return. We, we have the Messiah. Let's, let's, let's walk right up to Him through prayer, through the study of God's Word. Let's walk right up to Him and let's get what He is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. As we celebrate Christmas by remembering that God has kept His promise to bring a Savior. And we miss Christ at Christmas when we stop looking for the Messiah Lord and just start looking for a life coach. We miss Christ when we think that's who the Messiah is. We miss Him when we're just looking for a mascot, if you will. A mascot from heaven. We miss Christ if we think He's some superhero that kind of swoops in to rescue us during our times of trouble. But when there's not any time of trouble, we just kind of send Him back to His uh, telephone booth to say. I love this statement. By Dustin Binge, he says this, Born not to a king, but to a carpenter. Born not in robes, but rags. Born not in gold, but hay. Born not in renown, but obscurity. Born not in splendor, but a trough. Born not to live, but to die. Oh, come, let us adore Him. How long has it been since you have sat in God's presence and just adorned Him? For all that He has done for us. That is my prayer. Is that we will remember these promises. Oh, a 4,000 year promise. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. The first gospel message preached to an unbeliever. Brought condemnation to him. But brought hope for all who would believe. Oh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We worship him. Who came to redeem us to purchase us from all of our sins. So may we, may we do what the writer of Hebrews said. So let us walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. Have you found it hard to adorn Jesus Christ? We're the first day of December. We have a little ways to go until all the craziness is over. The commercials, all of the events we have to go to, the eating. Okay, that's a good part, but the, um, we have a little ways to go, but we don't have to fret it. Uh, we have a Savior. 
uh, and we can adorn him. That's what we should do during this season. I think there will be nothing more that will bring us joy than doing that. Let's do Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.